Chapter Ten of Indian Child Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Indian Child Life by Charles Eastman. Chapter Ten A Midsummer Feast. The Wapitanwan village on the banks of the Minnesota River was alive with the newly arrived guests and the preparations for the coming event. Meat of wild game had been put away with much care during the previous fall in anticipation of this feast. There was wild rice and the choicest of dried venison that had been kept all winter, as well as freshly dug turnips, ripe berries, and an abundance of fresh meat. Along the edge of the woods the teepees were pitched in groups or semicircles, each band distinct from the other. The teepee of Mankato or Blue Earth was pitched in a conspicuous spot. Just over the entrance was painted in red and yellow a picture of a pipe, and directly opposite this the rising sun. The painting was symbolic of welcome and goodwill to men under the bright sun. A meeting was held to appoint some medicine man to make the balls that were to be used in the lacrosse contest. And presently the herald announced that this honor had been conferred upon old Changpiyuha, or keeps the club, while every other man of his profession was disappointed. Towards evening he appeared in the circle, leading by the hand a boy about four years old. Closely the little fellow observed every motion of the man nothing escaped his vigilant black eyes which seemed constantly to grow brighter and larger while his glossy black hair was plaited and wound round his head like that of a celestial he wore a bit of swan's down in each ear which formed a striking contrast with the child's complexion further than this the boy was painted according to the fashion of the age he held in his hands a miniature bow and arrows the medicine man drew himself up in an admirable attitude and proceeded to make his short speech wapiton ones you boast that you run down the elk you can outrun the ojibways before you all i dedicate to you this red ball kaposius you claim that no one has a lighter foot than you you declare that you can endure running a whole day without water to you i dedicate this black ball Either you or the leaf-dwellers will have to drop your eyes and bow your head when this game is over. I wish to announce that if the Wapitanwans should win, this little warrior shall bear the name Oiesa, winner, through life. But if the Light Lodges should win, let the name be given to any child appointed by them. The ground selected for the great game was on a narrow strip of land between a lake and the river. It was about three-quarters of a mile long and a quarter of a mile in width. The spectators had already ranged themselves all along the two sides as well as the two ends, which were somewhat higher than the middle. The soldiers appointed to keep order furnished much of the entertainment of the day. They painted artistically and tastefully, according to the Indian fashion, not only their bodies, but also their ponies and clubs they were so strict in enforcing the laws that no one could venture with safety within a few feet of the limits of the field now all of the minor events and feasts occupying several days time had been observed 
heralds on ponies backs announced that all who intended to participate in the final game were requested to repair to the ground also that if anyone bore a grudge against another he was implored to forget his ill feeling until the contest should be over the most powerful men were stationed at the halfway ground while the fast runners were assigned to the back it was an impressive spectacle a fine collection of agile forms almost stripped of garments and painted in wild imitation of the rainbow and sunset sky on human canvas some had undertaken to depict the milky way across their tawny bodies and one or two made a bold attempt to reproduce the lightning others contented themselves with painting the figure of some fleet animal or swift bird on their muscular chests at the middle of the ground were stationed four immense men magnificently formed a fifth approached this group paused a moment and then threw his head back gazed up into the sky in the manner of a cock and gave a smooth clear operatic tone instantly the little black ball went up between the two middle rushers in the midst of yells cheers and war whoops both men endeavored to catch it in the air but alas each interfered with the other then the guards on each side rushed upon them for a time a hundred lacrosse sticks vied with each other and the wriggling human flesh and paint were all one could see through the cloud of dust suddenly they shot swiftly through the air towards the south toward the capacious goal the ball there was a general cheer from their adherents which echoed back from the white cliff on the opposite side of the minnesota as the ball flew through the air two adversaries were ready to receive it the kaposia quickly met the ball but failed to catch it in his netted bag for the other had swung his up like a flash thus it struck the ground but had no opportunity to bound up when a wapiton pounced upon it like a cat and slipped out of the grasp of his opponents a mighty cheer thundered through the air the warrior who had undertaken to pilot the little sphere was risking much for he must dodge a host of kaposias before he could gain any ground he was alert and agile now springing like a panther now leaping like a deer over a stooping opponent who tried to seize him around the waist every opposing player was upon his heels while those of his own side did all in their power to clear the way for him but it was all in vain he only gained fifty paces and thus the game went first one side then the other would gain an advantage and then it was lost until the herald proclaimed that it was time to change the ball no victory was in sight for either side after a few minutes rest the game was resumed the red ball was now tossed in the air in the usual way no sooner had it descended than one of the rushers caught it and away it went northward again it was fortunate for it was advanced by one of the same side the scene was now one of the wildest excitement and confusion at last the northward flight of the ball was checked for a moment and a desperate struggle ensued the ball had not been allowed to come to the surface since it reached this point for there were more than a hundred men who scrambled for it suddenly a warrior shot out of the throng like the ball itself then some of the players shouted look out for antelope but it was too late the little sphere had already nestled into antelope's palm and the fleetest of the wapitons had thrown down his lacrosse stick and set a determined eye upon the northern goal such a speed he had cleared almost all the opponent's guards there were but two more 
These were exceptional runners of the Kaposius. As he approached them in his almost irresistible speed, every savage heart thumped louder in the Indian's dusky bosom. In another moment there would be a defeat for the Kaposius, or a prolongation of the game. The two men, with a determined look, approached their foe like two panthers prepared to spring. Yet he neither slackened his speed nor deviated from his course. A crash, a mighty shout, the two Kaposius collided, and the swift antelope had won the laurels. The turmoil and commotion at the victor's camp were indescribable. A few beats of a drum were heard, after which the criers hurried along the lines, announcing the last act to be performed at the camp of the leaf-dwellers. The day had been a perfect one. Every event had been a success, and, as a matter of course, the old people were happy, for they were largely profited by these occasions. Within the circle formed by the General Assembly sat in a group the members of the Common Council. Blue Earth arose and in a few appropriate and courteous remarks assured his guests that it was not selfishness that led his braves to carry off the honors of the last event, but that this was a friendly contest in which each band must assert its prowess. In memory of this victory, the boy would now receive his name. A loud ho-o-o of approbation reverberated from the edge of the forest upon the Minnesota's bank. Half frightened, the little fellow was now brought into the circle, looking very much as if he were about to be executed. Cheer after cheer went up for the awe-stricken boy. Chank P. Yaha, the medicine man, proceeded to confer the name. O Hiesa, or winner, shall be thy name henceforth. Be brave, be patient, and thou shalt always win. Thy name is O Hiesa. End of chapter 10 a Midsummer's Feast.